This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I'm your host, James Seltzer. With me, I have the distinct pleasure of getting to chat this evening with the big bug killer himself, Mr. John Marks. What up, buddy? Yeah, we were just about to start rolling, and I'm getting text messages from my wife. There's a huge bug moving quickly. Hurry. Things like the size of a... Yeah, it's not even a, like a centimeter, but yeah, I... I Listen, I, I can't do anything mechanically, but I can I can do labor and I can kill bugs. Yeah, so. it's a good skill set to have in a marriage. I'm useful. I'm a useful husband, James. Yeah, well, I, I was just excited that I got to listen to you kill the bug. And it took a couple attempts. You went after it, missed it the first time, was on the ground. I'm hearing you like huffing and puffing. It was, it was entertaining stuff. I was standing on top of a dresser with one <laughs> leg on another dresser, and I got... Full extension. I was like a first baseman. Full extension. That's good work. And, uh, but I hit him, but he fell to the ground. Then I had to move the heavy dresser with the TV on it to get to him behind it. I got it done. He's dead. He's flushed. We can talk a little Phillies baseball winning two or three. Vince Velasquez, I'm back on the bandwagon, James. Life is good. Uh, All right, let's start there. Because first and foremost, you mentioned it. The first series win since May 23rd when the Braves were in town almost a month ago, John, since the last time this team won a series. Uh, three weeks, essentially, since they won a series. And as you mentioned, Velasquez uh, goes, what, six and two-thirds, no-hit innings. Ultimately ends up giving up a couple runs, but really nice outing from Velasquez. More importantly, the offense got going a little bit. The bats started hitting. Reese Hoskins looks back which is exciting let's start with the series itself after the the long run of not winning series and the chicago series you come home after obviously i think i think most would agree with a season of a lot of rough losses that jason hayward grand slam might stick out the most how'd you feel about the team coming home after the milwaukee series getting their butts kicked two out of three finally get a series win what was your takeaway yeah, I, I'm just going to ignore the Pavetta start last night. Didn't look great. Um, and then today was just, it's just talking about today, we're recording this on Thursday night. It was uh, it, it was a quality win. It almost looked like it was getaway day for the Rockies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know when you have those games where where you, you go down early and you more or less just kind of like, yeah, this series is, this this game's over. You Let's mail it in. Town. Yep, 100%. That's kind of what it looked like. I think that happens a lot, too, with, Yep. You know, especially a road team who has to travel after the game. The funny thing is, though, it's not as big an excuse in this case because the Phillies have to travel tried to have to travel after the game as well because they're heading out to uh, Milwaukee for the series. They're out to Milwaukee, then back for St. Louis, kind of bobbing back and forth. But yep. uh, it was huge, man. And I, I, this team, it, it just seemed like they were in a funk. 
the way they were playing Arietta, calling him out, you know, people we're getting to the point where people are starting to get so mad that the manager is, doesn't throw his players under the bus more. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, that's where we're at, you know, it's in that kind of a funk and we'll get into the positivity thing. Cause I definitely want to get your take on that. But uh, you mentioned, let's, let's give uh, Velasquez a little credit here. It looked really good. And I think the most impressive part for me, not even the, the six and two thirds, no hit innings, for me, the most impressive start was coming off that 10-run just ass-whooping to come yeah. back and and have the start he did at home today in a, in a big game where they wanted to take this series against a, maybe not a, good, a great Rockies team or even a good Rockies team, but a, a solid Rockies team. We'll take it at this point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Velasquez, looked, he looked more comfortable. Uh, I, I I felt like he 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 had pretty good. He was pretty in sync with uh, with with Nap today. Nap uh, Nap had a good game. Had a couple hits. Yeah, he hit well too. And um, seemed to be on the same page. I know after the game, uh, Kapler was was uh, was talking about Kapler or a uh, Kapler, Vinny and Nappy, and they were on the, the same page and and everything else. I, I I can't get enough Kapler with his nicknames and everything else. But um, <laughs> you, 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 you notice when when Vince is at his best, he's throwing a lot of fastballs. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he I know he was throwing a slider today and he had pretty good command of it, but he was getting a lot of a lot of chases. The Rockies were swinging in a lot of those high fastballs and um, and really kind of when Vince is at his best, He's throwing a lot of fastballs, and he's getting just not swings and misses, but he's he's getting contact, and it's weak contact. So that's what you saw a lot of today. He um, he retired what fifteen in a row or thirteen in a row at one point. He wasn't walking guys. It was an impressive start, and it probably came right at the the right time. Team kind of ready to get out of town. The Phillies scored some early runs, and uh, he just kind of went from there. Yeah, and again, a game that the Phillies. Didn't have to have, but it was one where it, they needed to win a series. And, and with, you know, Milwaukee, heading to Milwaukee, St. Louis coming to town, you get the Nationals, the Yankees. It's a tough month, and we've talked about that a lot. And I've said many times, I just need them to tread water to stay kind of right around where they're at. And one way of doing that is winning a series or two along the way. So I thought the Rockies, de- yeah. And the Rockies, the worst team on the schedule for the month. So I, I thought it was big that they, they took that series, especially at home and especially the way they did. Well, while totally agree with you about Velasquez. If you look at his numbers coming into the 10 run start, his six starts prior to that two, one, four ERA, uh, something like a two Oh three average allowed you to, 45 strikeouts in 32 innings, only like 13 walks or something along those lines. He'd been really good. And and when you look at him on a start-per-start basis, he's had a few terrible ones and one just god-awful one. Anytime you give up double-digit earned runs, that's a rough one. And that's rough for the numbers to come back from. The ERA is never going to look nearly as good as it could. But I think if you look at him on a start-by-start basis... He's been better more often than not this season, and in some cases, he's been really good. So I'm with you, John. I'm bullish on him. I'm not ready to proclaim him a stud or someone we can count on long term. I I need to see more consistent effort for a longer period of time. But yeah. I, I, I'm I'm with you that that it is very positive the signs we're seeing. 
I think, though, when you look at this one, the most important takeaway, and like you said, you kind of just throw the Pavetta start away, but other than that game, in, in the in the Monday or the Tuesday game and then the game today on Thursday, they hit well. And not just scored runs. They had good at-bats. They had the approach that we were seeing earlier in the season. And I think that we talked about it a lot. And I think we might have even understated how important Reese Hoskins is to this lineup. And he's come back yeah. looking like he used to, John. What has been your takeaway from Reese back in the lineup and the offensive changes we've seen over the last three games? Yeah, just just one one uh, one word on the out on uh, on on Velasquez. He he he's showing you with these starts where he's not doing it in every start, but he's showing you why you just don't put him in the bullpen yet. Yep. For all the people that say he's a bullpen guy, he's a bullpen guy. I get it. We may get there at some point, but you don't you don't do it until you absolutely have to. And he's showing enough potential right now. This is why you're keeping him as a starter. So we'll leave it like that with Vince, and, and we'll we'll t- we'll talk about him after his next start. As far as Reese, you know, you're, you're really seeing. In, Joe Giulio had said this to me um, he, when he came in after the game, and a caller actually had called in after the game today and, and said the same thing. And, and they're right. It was probably the the perfect time for him to get a couple weeks off. You know, even when you get days off, sometimes Charlie used to do this with, with Pat Burrow when he was really struggling, and, and and some other guys too. Give him an extended, take the pressure off, sit down, watch the game, kind of figure it out for without having to worry about playing. And when you're hurt and you're on the DL, you don't you're not getting in the game, so you you, you have to wait, you have to watch. And he looks more comfortable. He's been driving the ball. He hasn't been walking as much. Um, at least I think the last two games. I don't know if he had a walk. Uh, but you know what? I think he's being more aggressive at the plate too. And that's something he has to do because the league is going to adjust what he did. And that's what they've done this year. He's been in a little bit of a swoon. And if you're looking for – James, if you're looking for anything to give you to give you some, some positivity of the, the Phillies offense, well, there's some other things there too. But Reese Hoskins coming back like he did, it's exactly what we're looking for. It's it's a good sign, I'll say that. Yeah, and again, I think that he's not – he can't carry the offense by himself, but I think his presence in the offense changes the whole dynamic of everything. He's a guy that, that has shown in major league games that he's someone you need to fear. And I think your point, too, about him just needing a couple weeks off is is really on point in that especially the type of hitter he is. This is a guy who is obsessed with watching tape and diagnosing hitting, and he's a tactician. He's that type of guy. So I think the chance to step away from the game, step away from the grind, watch his mechanics, watch his at-bats, see what he was doing wrong, where his issues were coming in, I think that was huge for him. I, I really do, and I think that's absolutely dead on and and like you said john he's been hitting the ball hard Uh, the home run he hit today was a a laser and had a double that looked like it might get out too and and was hard hit as well and um you're right about the walks i know in the first game of the rocky series i think or maybe it was the last game of the milwaukee series he walked in his first two at bats but other than that i haven't seen him walking as much but as long as he's making hard contact and putting the ball in play in those spots, that's fine too. He'll find a way to get on base one way or another. You mentioned some other offensive things that, you know, positive notes here. What else stood out to you from this series as 
who else is kind of saying you're looking at and saying, all right, maybe maybe they're breaking out of this slump here. You know, Carlos Santana quietly has had a really nice month. And um, you know, talk about a, a guy that gets on base regardless of the average being south of the Mendoza line. The average is creeping up. Uh, he he continues to hit balls hard. I think you're really going to start seeing in July the ball leaving the park with him. So Santana's looked good. I you know Duble had two hits today. I don't know where he is. He you know how he is. He looks lost and then he catches fire. But Nick Williams has really 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 since Reese left the mm-hmm. lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Williams has done an excellent job and he he continues with power. He continues with extra base hits. And I almost look at him right now. I I look at it. I think it's the perfect platoon to where you can have Altair and Nick Williams. And listen, if Odubel's not hitting, then you put Altair in center field. That's perfectly fine. But right now, I, I know that, that it's not 1993 in the Phillies. The Phillies used platoons at three different positions, left field, right field, second base, and it worked well. I would start doing some of that. Nick Williams, I, his bat's too, his, his bat, the power aspect of his bat, you don't see it up and down the lineup, is um is something that, that that's a threat. And um and right now I'm putting him in almost every day. Yeah, John, I'm with you, man. I've been saying that for a few weeks that when they were really in that slide offensively, I felt like Carlos Santana and Nick Williams were the only two guys who were giving it like tough at bats. Who were going up and yeah. and fighting every time they got up to the plate. I have been certainly derisive of Nick Williams many times in the past, but I've been really impressed with him the last month or so. Obviously, you know the greatest pinch hitter in the history of the game and all that. But when he's been get, when he's been getting the starts, he's been playing better as well. And and like you said, John, it's a lineup that at least so far certainly hasn't exhibited a ton of power in a league that really is at all time highs for power. Anytime, you know, any guy you can get in this lineup who's going to give you the opportunity to put the ball out of the ballpark at any time, especially considering how much they've struggled, you need runs anywhere you can get them. And a, a guy who can put it out of the ballpark is is a is someone you need in this lineup right now. And I'm with you, man. I think Nick. I think. I mean, look, Aaron Altair has been terrible. Can we just say that he is? He's he, been terrible. He looks lost at the plate, and at no time he's had a couple game stretches here or there, John. But at any point this season, have you watched Altair and said, "Oh, he's going to be all right"? He's hitting one eighty two, <laughs> dude. So, no, it, it and, keeps going and, down. And he's had plenty of at bats. It's it blows my mind. He looks. He looks bad, and I was definitely on the Aaron Altair side of that argument, if you want to call it that, the Williams Altair argument. And right now, yeah. I I don't know how you could be on Altair, and and I'm I, like long term we'll see, but right now at the moment, there's no way that Aaron Altair deserves to play over Nick Williams. Yeah, defensively, you miss his glove. Uh, he he seems defensively to make to make a big play night in and night out he's doing something defensively so i so i like him but if 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 you're if you're not hitting and you have somebody else that that plays your position that's hitting now if odubel's if i'm fine with him playing center field once or twice a week if odubel's not hitting too but odubel's so important to this lineup i don't think there's any coincidence they've struggled to score runs since odubel really hasn't had a hit in a month or whatever so just like when j-roll used to go go in his slumps and when the Phillies were really feeling it was when Jimmy was really feeling it, mm-hmm. getting on base, disrupting stuff. Listen, I I, I know that they, they have a double, they like a double in the three. 
I like Oduble bat and lead off. I would lead him off to try to get him going. Cesar doesn't offer much in, in any kind. Well, he actually does have some power this year. But the most important thing to me right now is to get him going. Two hits today, we'll see. I'd bump him up. I'd bump Oduble up. Uh, but, you know, Altair can't hit one under 200 all year and keep getting the at-bats. just can't happen. Yeah, well, I know Gabe's old two and four. I would bat Oduble two, and I would bat Hoskins three if it were my lineup. But whatever. Uh, or at least put Hoskins in the four hole, but whatever, whatever, regardless, uh, I'm with you on the Oduble front. He, you know, we've seen this with him. This is what he does, right? You know, he goes on these unbelievable streaks where he carries the team for a month and then he goes incredibly ice cold. It's a, a, a timing thing, I suppose. And I always, I say this all the time when I watch the guy, but I, I don't get when the guys with the super high leg kicks, I don't understand how they are able to have success to begin with. And and clearly they can figure it out, but the balance and the timing and all that put together against major league pitching. I don't, I don't understand how you could put your leg that high in the air and still figure it out and get it in the right place and get it down at the right time. But it works, yep. but when it's off, it's off. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Anyone else you said something of it. What were you going to say? You said something about Hoskins that you're right. He he's over preparing. He's doing too much work to where you almost. I would almost say to him like Reese, the game seven oh five. I'll see you at six thirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you're not thinking about it. Like, like see ball, hit ball. You're right. He's do, trying to do too much. We don't know what Oduble's doing. Right? Yeah. He's kind of a mystery guy. He's goofy. So Oduble being Oduble, but clearly right now he's probably pressing too. And um, when, when you're trying to carry your lineup because no one else is hitting, that'll happen. So, let, let, it, but something tells me by the All Star break, Odu will will be back over 300. Oh, I think so too. And he's got more hot streaks in him, and you just hope to find some level of consistency in there. But uh, anyone else uh, sticking out to you from an offensive perspective as someone who you think is maybe turning a corner, or or conversely, someone you're out on. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of still waiting for Kingery. I I, I like what uh, I like how Gabe's been moving him around in the lineup. At least uh, he's had him fifth. He's had him third. Uh, kind of get, get, find a spot that that gives him some confidence where he can see the fastball and he can hit the fastball. He's not worried about taking pitches uh, right there. Cesar Hernandez is. I'm not going to say he worries me, but the, the early season. Thank God we didn't trade Cesar. Well, we haven't been talking about that recently. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's he's still productive. He's still getting on base. He still plays good defense. But um, all of a sudden, it's like, well, geez, how many how many guys can go cold at once? And that's really all of them, John. This lineup all right. of them is yeah. what we've learned. All of them. It, and it's yeah. crazy. I think uh, I, there's no one else. I think I, I, we kind of labeled it as, and it's true right now, so goes... Rees O'Double, Carlos Santana, and fourth guy who fills in, whether it's Nick Williams, whether it's Cesar, whether it's, I mean, maybe someday Aaron Altair, Alfaro had a couple out weeks. But I think if those three guys are going in Hoskins, in Santana, O'Double, they have a chance to score runs. And when those three guys aren't going, they really struggle. And 
Yep. And they need other guys to step up. And Kingery had that one game, four RBIs, everyone goes nuts, and then he strikes out four times the next trade. Oh, oh, a golden sombrero the next night. The sombrero. Ah, it's yeah, a rough no one. Doubt. And he looked lost on a couple of those, too. So I don't know what to make of Kingery right now. I'm, I'm not at all worried about his long-term uh, prognosis or whatever you want to call it. I also, just as a, a macro type of thing, if this team weren't trying to compete for a playoff spot, I would be ecstatic with them letting him hit 200 and play every day. That's fine. Get him all the major league reps he can get. So I, I have a hard time being upset about him getting reps, but I also see that, and look, it's not like they have options banging down the door either, but he's certainly not a, a quality major league hitter right now. A guy who I do, though, think has been swinging the bat better both before he got hurt and since he's come back is J.P. Crawford. And, look, he's still young. He still needs to fill out his body. He's not going to be a power or anything. But I think he might have the chance by the end of the season to get back to that 350-plus on-base guy. And I think out of a lower lineup type guy on this team that could prove to be valuable plus uh, and and granted had a base running mistake today it ended up not mattering i don't know how he didn't score how did he not score how did he not score on that like it what is going on but for the well, most part and, he's been aggressive yeah I, I i've liked what i've seen so far he's he's really erratic though you know what i mean with, with some of his decisions out there mostly offensively but he's erratic out there and Kind of reminds me a little bit, not a Victorino, but so he he gets a triple. He slides, he does a head first slide three feet in front of the base, <laughs> and does a face plant and almost gets tugged out because then he flies by the base, and then he doesn't score. He almost doesn't score from third base on a hit because he runs halfway. Yeah, he runs back to the base to tag up because he thinks it's going to be caught, and then he's got to sprint home. He almost didn't make it home on a single. From third base, and you mentioned how he didn't score on the on the one play. The, it was the, a double, and he was on second base, hit, hitting the wall. Oh, the wall! Yeah, the and it wall. and it wasn't one of those like, oh, should I wait to tag up? It was clearly going. It was. Is it a home run or off the wall? Were the only questions about that hit. You're you're not you're you're going you're going halfway or three quarters of the way right there. Absolutely. If, if, if the outfielder makes a spectacular catch. Then you go back to second. You'll base. have you're still time. In scoring yep. position. Yeah, you're still in scoring position. No, he's he's a young player. But the, the, Larry Anderson talks about this when he comes on with us uh, every Wednesday at three o'clock. The, the instincts of baseball players, the young players. I hate to sound like the old guy, but <laughs> it's not an instinct game anymore. It's hit the ball. It, it's you know, and, and Crawford's a guy that that likes to walk. So I get all that. But you're seeing some of these instincts that really aren't there as far as base running and other things and. I think no, um... I, I agree with that premise. I think it is an instant game. I also, though, think that no one teaches fundamentals anymore. I think that's a much yep. bigger issue with it. We've talked about it with not yes. covering bases, but it applies to base running, all that type of stuff. It's you teach them how to well, hit and how to pitch, then they don't teach them any of the other stuff. Well, you're right because it's it's it actually is more fundamentals than, than instincts. But the, if he doesn't know by if he doesn't know by this level of being in the major leagues, if you, if you show up in the minors and they're needing to teach you basic fundamentals of the game and you're still not learning it by the time you get to the majors, I mean, uh, yeah, Victor used to drive me crazy getting thrown out of third base with, with, uh, with two outs. Oh my innings. God. What are you doing? Oh my God. 
Yeah, and you're right. I think it's part instinct, part knowledge, and it's part the way you think about it. Like when I was playing, my dad, the very first thing he taught me when I started playing baseball was defensively, always know where you're supposed to be. Always know where what you're supposed to do in any situation. If the ball gets hit to any spot in the field, if it gets hit foul and it's caught, if it hit every situation that could possibly come up, what is your responsibility? Where are you supposed to be? And I feel like we don't see enough of that on both sides of the ball. I will say, though, I do think that they have done a very good job of making aggressive base running a priority on this team. We saw it again a few times this series. Andrew Knapp comes to mind from today's game in the eighth inning. We've seen a lot of the grounders to short. The shortstop will look the guy back at second. As soon as the shortstop goes to throw to first, that guy's taken off for third base. We see a lot of that type of stuff from this team, and that's the type of stuff that as limited as they've been doing offensively, they need that stuff. They need to gain bases any way they can. They do. Yeah, you're damn right they do, especially <laughs> with with what's going on here right now. And and um, still a young team, still learning. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and hopefully this is one of the things with, with, um, with, Gabe, with Gabe is that he – he has a great relationship with these players. You can tell that they like him. I, I, I like the positivity of Gabe. He's also got to get through to him. So if he wants to be Mr. Positive, that's fine. But you can't ha- can't keep having the same mistakes. We haven't had a lot of the same mistakes. But it'll be interesting to monitor it to see where, see where these young guys are as we enter the stretch run. All right. Well, you mentioned it, the Calvary thing. And, and don't worry. John and I will get to the whole bullpen thing in just a second. But... Really quickly, yes, really quick. Yeah, the, the old man on the lawn and the fight about all that stuff. It'll be great. But uh, with the Kabler thing, because you mentioned the positivity and somehow this week that became a talking point that I'm tired of the positivity. And that is so a, a such a manufactured topic because the only people who hear Gabe Kapler's positivity are the reporters after games and stuff like that and the super diehards. This is like... I, I, and I get it. I understand the argument of saying it's disingenuous to come out after a game and not react to if you get your butts whipped back-to-back nights. But for me, like, this guy doesn't want to criticize his players in public. Awesome. I have zero problems with that. What What is your take on this whole, A, on that specific thing on Kapler and the positivity and, you know, after losing 12 to three mentions the, the equipment guy and all that stuff. But also, <laughs> also the kind of the way it's being talked about in the media as well. Well, he, it, it, it um, I, 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 I get a real kick out of Kapler. I, Me too. I, I, I find him really interesting. He's and compelling. I, I like him. He is. I like him. I, I, I look forward to his press conferences. I like to dissect what he says. I like the way he talks. I like Kapler a lot. Right now, I think that that his guys like him, and he's going to be positive. He's not going to be chewing people out. He's not going to, at least in front of the media, he's not. He may at some point, when he feels like he needs to say something, say something or be honest about it, but right now, this is what he's doing. I don't know if it it can work forever. I don't know if it can work forever with his players. I mean, everybody has their their expiration date, and maybe he's going to have to change it, but right now... Listen, the offense isn't isn't working. It's not clicking. You can blame the hitting coach. You can blame the manager. You can blame the players. I don't know who to blame for it. But but right now, it seems like a pretty 
happy clubhouse, and the guys like coming in. They're battling. They're still four games above high five hundred. I, 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 I'm gonna. I, 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 he's driving me crazy with some things like the bullpen and some other things. I don't think he's a perfect manager. I think he's still learning, which is good too, because he is a guy that's shown that's that a great point. he's gonna learn on the job. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I I, I love the guy. I, I, he, I it's it's been a fun season so far. I, I he, that's a great point, John. I feel. For some reason, it feels like, and, and I don't mention it enough, I feel like none of us mention enough that this is a guy who's 66 games into his managerial career. This guy's never managed before. And he's got a team nope. that won 66 games last year, four games above 500. And yeah, they went out and made a couple moves, but it's mostly a team of young guys who have never really been through a grind. And when you think about it that way, and you think about what he's done, and the way he, I think has really handled a lot of issues so far with grace and with dignity and all that type of stuff. I mean, get, I mean, in the history of baseball, I would venture to guess that he is the first manager who has ever been booed the first time he took his home field. I'll bet you that's never happened before. (laughs) I I, I mean, come on. So, and he's he's handled it all so well. He always has the right response publicly and he's willing to take all of it on the chin as long as his players are shielded. And I think that's a real admirable quality in a manager. And I think it makes sense why these guys are going to buy into him because he's shielding them and he's willing to say, I don't care if people rip me for my positivity. I'm not going to rip my guys because that's not productive. And I appreciate it. I'm certainly someone who I respond to positive reinforcement more than negative reinforcement. So I can understand that perspective. I also agree with your point though, John, that at some point, and and I think it also has to do with winning and losing, right? Like if you're winning forever, positive all the time. Yay. But at some point when the, when the downturns come, it's hard to, like you said, it's it's like Man- Charlie Manuel. It's Larry Boa with the opposite type mentality. It's this, it's that. We've seen it time and time again. You always kind of see well, the back Andy and Reed, forth with that. Andy Reid was always the positive guy that put it on him. Oh, you know, that's on me. And it drove people crazy. We wanted to kill him you know? by so, the end. Yeah, exactly. So if Gabe wins, yeah, everybody will love it. If they're 10 games under 500 and it's August... People will be roasting him. It's the nature of the it's nature of the the, the nature of the job, especially yeah. in this city. And you know what? As long as he's willing to take it, and it, and his players are happy with it, I respect that. Like you said, they've been resilient, and that's another thing. I, he can I do take give it. Credit to it. exactly. He can take it. He can take it. All right. Speaking of of who can take it, let's get into it a little bit. Is in case you are not uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow us on Twitter at hype at high hopes pod on Twitter at John Marks Media at. Uh, Jack Fritz, WIP, I think, and then uh, at James Seltzer on Twitter as we were. Um, How would you get James Seltzer? I How come you get it. James Seltzer? I, 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 John Marks has been taken like 100 times. Yeah, I, I, I think because James Seltzer, much less, uh, much less, you know, uh, uh, to uh, less common name, I would think, than John Marks. But I, also, I, I got I it. I got it. I was on pretty early on Twitter, and I just got it immediately. But 1997. I, yeah, I'm lucky. I feel, you were I feel, like, I feel lucky. I'm going to get it now. Al yeah. Gore discovered this internet thing. Yeah. Well, invented yeah. it. It's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ex- Al Gore. My buddy Al. Um, <laughs> you can call me Al if you want. Um, right. uh, but also, uh, rate and review the podcast if you get a chance. It, it really means a lot for us. It helps people find the podcast. People are looking for Philly's pods and all that. So 
iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that type of stuff, wherever you take in your podcast media. We really appreciate radio.com radio.com all that good stuff all right um point being we were on social media and we were a little back and forth and it got a little um i don't want to say heated but certainly there were clear battle lines drawn john marks believes that it is time to make sir anthony dominguez the closer jack fritz and myself believe that he is way too valuable to be shoehorned into that role now we will argue about it. Mr. Marks, go ahead. Well, I, I'll, I'll cut you off from starting the argument and, and, and say this, because I do believe that, that Dominguez should be the, the closer. But I am willing to say, okay, I can understand why you would like to use him in a flexible, high-leverage role for a reliever. The buzzword right but there. I guess, exactly. So you want to deploy <laughs> him as a high-leverage reliever. It's well played. As a... Uh, as Kapler, you can, I can put you on the, the MLB day. network right now. Boom. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> so if you were to deploy him um, as an elite reliever, but see, here's what I would, here's what I say though. It's time for roles in the bullpen. If, if, if Sir Anthony is your swing guy that, that pitches wherever he wants to use him for an inning or two, that's great. But these guys are trying to naturally develop their role. You need to find roles. I need a closer right now. Mm-hmm. If that means it's Ramos, fine. If that means you're, you're I don't think you're going to go back to Neris. No. Nishek is coming back soon. I want some definition of roles because it's not fair to these guys right now. And you know what? It's going to start not to work. And by the way, Dominguez has given up runs when he's doing these two-inning outings. So just be careful. He loves using them in two innings. He threw 41 pitches. He tried to not use them. What did he have to do? Had to bring him in the ninth inning to be the closer the very next night. Yep. So be careful what you wish for, you truthers out there that uh, you don't need a closer or whatever nonsense you're talking about. All right. So that's my position. I, I, I'm okay with Dominguez not being the closer, but I need to find roles. Yeah, right so, so this is the worst argument of all time because I agree 100% with everything you said. I, I think that there you it, go. If you, you know, point being, I think even without a closer, I think Dominguez is more valuable in those high leverage situations, but... And in the case without a closer, then I think sometimes the highest leverage situations will be the ninth inning, as we saw when he had to use him the other night in that terrifying game, the 5-4 win. But I'm with oh, you, God. man. I- I'm with you. I have said many times that and that I think Sir Anthony, like we've talked about, the the high leverage, all that stuff, but it really is true. It's more just to, to put it in simpler, less baseball-y terms a closer is used in the ninth inning if you're up three runs or, le- or or less. Why do I want to wait to use Sir Anthony Dominguez in that defined role if there's a spot in the game where I really need the guy? And I think that's kind of the basic, simple argument. But I totally agree with you. They need a closer. And I also don't think, as we've seen with Hector Neris, I don't think you can just throw a guy there because he's a good pitcher. I think you have to have the mentality to be a closer. I think it's a, a role where... You need to want the ball in the ninth inning. You got to have a bit of an edge to you. You have to be a little bit different mm-hmm. to pitch the ninth inning. And I think they need a closer, John. I think they need to find roles. I'm 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 100% with you. It's the worst argument ever, but I think well, uh, Dominguez and I get why if there isn't a closer you say, "Oh, well, may as well make it Dominguez cuz there's nobody else you trust." I think they need to find someone else they trust. And and I think that's the bigger thing in that 
you can't, I feel like you can't waste Dominguez in that role when you figure something else out, whether you trade for a, someone from a, a contender, a Brad Hand or a Kelvin uh, Herrera or someone like that, or Britain or Zach Britton, or you figure it out. And like you said, give these guys a chance. Dubrai Ramos hasn't really failed the ninth inning so far. He, he struck out two guys on six pitches, and they got removed for Hector Neres that one time. But he got the save when it's but done. But if, if you remember, and this is why I would I would make Dominguez my closer, is does Ramos have the mentality? No, I know. That's in, the problem. The None of them inning. do. And I, don't I think agree he does. with you. I think Dominguez probably I know is Dominguez the only does. guy. Yeah, I agree with you about that. I think he's the only guy who does. I just think he's too valuable in that other role. So I would be willing to trade an asset to go get a guy who shouldn't cost that much. I mean, Zach Britton's going to be a free agent this season, this offseason, coming off uh, basically missing a year plus or whatever it is. I think you get Zach Britton for not that much. I think that's the move. They know that front office. Everyone's talking about a little Manny Machado trade. Trade for Zach Britton. That's a smart move. Yeah. You probably have to give up a top 20 prospect, which the Phillies no. have a lot oh, of them. Oh, a they've, Phillies they've, top they've, 20 they have prospect. so much depth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like you, 17, you so 18, de- 19, totally. Yeah, you I'm can afford that, and you may end up giving up somebody that that that's a that's a quality major league player, but it would it, it would help, it would help so much because it would allow Dominguez to be that guy that can do it all, can come in whenever you want to. Because right now it, it's great. You want to bring in Dominguez in the sixth or seventh inning? That's great. I'm worried about who's pitching the ninth inning. Right, you can't, you don't have two you don't have two Sir Anthony's unfortunately, and I I don't I just don't know about Ramos in the ninth. I don't think he's so really either. Really effective, uh, yeah. He's I, really effective what he's doing right now. I'm with you. I was just more just throwing names against a wall and well, I, it's a, it's a it's a name I said too. He he's one like he would be the the next guy you would think because yeah. he's got the best stuff. He's got the best numbers. Yep. But when you really look at that, when you really look at that bullpen. Tommy Hunter, I don't want him coming in in the ninth. No, inning. he's disappointed. Certainly don't want me. Lou Garcia. I, I, yeah, no, Lou Garcia is banned from ninth inning work. I never <laughs> want to see that guy in the ninth <laughs> inning ever again. Same, that, same with Adam Morgan he's on, too. Yeah, Luis yeah, Garcia is good, good when he's on. I'm with you when he's on. But I think that's a Not mentality the thing. Ever, though. Yeah, and we saw it right. Just comes in, and just loads the bases like that. Like you look down, and all of a sudden the bases are low. But no, I was like, what the hell happened? Like, I, what happened? Um, so yeah, I'm with you there. And, and again, this is all of course, dependent on them staying in the race and actually competing at the end of July. But I think it makes a lot of sense. And regardless the way it is right now, and, and maybe Nisha can come back and give you a boost. I think he's making a rehab start soon. He's, he's somewhat on the pathway back. It appears though he had a setback last time, so I don't want to get too excited, but yeah, he we'll is, see. he's a guy who could help you if he comes back and looks like Pat Nishek. But either way, John, I think you're right. They just they're down a guy, and and I think it's kind of causing real issues with the roles and the and people knowing when they're going to be used. And I I think that's true, John. As much as as much as stat people and analytics and everyone wants to say, well, everyone should just use a bullpen this this way, and it shouldn't matter what the guys say. It should be this batter versus this pitcher and these numbers. It's like these are still human beings who have a way they prepare, who have a habit they go about mm-hmm. things, who, especially in baseball more than any other sport. So I do think that, and, and whenever you hear relievers talk, whenever you hear pitching coaches talk, they always talk about the importance of those defined roles. So I think that's something that can be somewhat underrated by the stack community or, or whatever else there. Yeah, I agree, man. All right. Uh, again, rate and review the podcast. Johnny, coming up uh, this weekend, 
the Milwaukee Brewers, obviously 24 to seven over that two game stretch and the Phillies fight back to win the last one tonight. Jake Arietta tonight. I'm assuming most people listen to this on Friday. We're, we're recording on Thursday, but for everybody on Friday tonight, Jake Arietta taking on Brent Sutter. Arietta spouts off and then doesn't back it up against the Brewers. Are you expecting to see Jake Arietta go out and do what we all expected him to do against the Brewers at home? Better, you know, better. <laughs> like you said, he, hey, he 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 didn't have his stuff. He grinded. Yeah. He gave him. He gave him. What was he, he gave five him what he had? And five change. and two thirds, four and runs. He gave him what he had. Had 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 more more walks than he normally has. He just he, he didn't have his stuff. Um, this this is this is payback. This is revenge. This entire weekend for the Phillies, they were embarrassed, and um and you have actually who would think that we're talking about Zach Eflin as being one of their top three starting pitchers, <laughs> but the fact that you have Arietta Eflin and Nolan going, Noel going, this is a this is keep winning series, James. Two or three, go up there, win two or three, come back home, we'll talk. Yeah, I'm with you. Keep winning series, and and even then, keep winning. Even if they can win this series and take the Cardinal series, then they can lose the other two. You know, it's just tread water exactly. until July. So I'm with you. Big series here. And, and the pitching matchups favor them. Not that that's mattered as we've seen. You know, Zach Eflin has been their winningest pitcher in this month. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Arietta versus Sutter. Nola versus Chase Anderson on Sunday. Junior Guerra versus Eflin on Saturday. I feel good about all those matchups. All right. Again, rate and review the podcast. And uh, we will be back on Monday morning. With, uh, with a breakdown of the whole weekend and looking ahead and all of that stuff. So for John Marks, I'm James Seltzer. Thanks for listening to the High Hopes Podcast. See ya. See ya.